we were just starting to get into a very heated discussion about an awful story that's been in the newspaper recently. And by the time this comes out, there may be updates, but... Maybe. Gabby Petito, is that how we say her last name? I have no... I'm not sure. Um, Um, I really should look it up. Uh, Yeah. I'm so mad at the... I'm mad at this guy, obviously, because... He clearly murdered What the hell? I'm mad at his parents for obstructing justice and harboring Mm -hmm. a fugitive. Like, if this were my kid, I'd be like... Yeah, I'm going to hire you a lawyer. And then you're both going to get your asses down to the police station. And then I'm also really, really mad that he's – him going quote-unquote missing is really him just trying to change whatever narrative it is that he thought that he had when he returned from a road trip alone with no explanation. Yeah, we were just talking about, like, if if he didn't want to seem like that he murdered somebody – Maybe don't like if you come back alone and then you refuse to talk about it, either you've experienced some sort of trauma where like someone attacked you both. But like if but if that is the case, then you're not going to not talk to the police. So then the other option is you had something to do with it. Right. Even if it wasn't like a premeditated thing. The fact that you came back, refused, you were the only person of interest, really. You refused to talk to the police. We have all that body cam footage. I'm sorry. Maybe they didn't have enough to arrest him, but how on earth was he able to just go about his business and no. then go no. missing, quote unquote? I also unquote. don't believe that they don't have enough to arrest him. It's just, it, it's so baffling. And I no. was, um, I hadn't, I, I knew, I right. And like, I knew tangentially about it but i hadn't read like kind of any of the the stories and then i start delved in i was looking at all the details and i knew my friend aaron was following it and uh i also knew she was at a cookout based on her stories and i was just like sending her all these things and we were just like what the fuck and just like going back and forth and then i was like anyway enjoy your cookout so i hope the burgers are good and uh yeah two thousand years later wait mysteries you just said mysteries is that, mysteries. is that what this podcast is about? Is that what we're bonding over? And maybe all the wine you had last night? Oh, my God. I d- okay, <laughs> that makes it sound like I was wasted. I was, no. I just I, – I had enough red wine over an amount of time that my brain was like, but why this morning? <laughs> and I have reassured Katie that if she has questions about what we were talking about today – it is not due to the struggle bus she has found herself on this morning. It is due to the fact that, yes, this is an oldie-timey case from the old interwebs, which means we have a lot of, we got a big family, we got a lot of names, we got a lot of weird facts that are crisscrossing and devil cross. I mean, this case has it all, right? This club has everything. <laughs> it has a murder. It has potential suicides. It has... Poison? It has, let's go to CVS and get ourselves some cocaine and morphine. It has. <laughs> to, to, to treat all those ghosts in our blood? For all the ghosts in our blood. And this is all set. The actual events that we were going to be talking about happened in 1909. So it is okay. the old and timeies. But we're going to have to work our way up to what happened in 1909 so we can fully appreciate what did happen in 1909. And that is what we are doing for today. Part one of episode 46, The Virginia Sisters in Black. 
Oh, ooh, that ooh. sounds very wit. It sounds very witchy. So you know what's up my alley. Exactly. Before we before we delve in, I do just want to uh, talk about one of the beverages from last night. Oh, please do. Since please we do. do like to bond up, like this is not yes. wine. We were talking about it a little bit before we started recording because it's just so odd. Um, but one of my friends at this uh, gathering, this all vaccinated safe gathering that we had was um a beer smoothie uh it was like it actually comes that way it's not like you make it not like when you make froze or whatever Mm -hmm. um it it was called a blurriest uh shmooji which oh that's a super dumb name but it looked like a blueberry smoothie or like a blueberry like thick juice that you get like Ooh. i'm trying to remember it was like like the naked juices you know like when you can get those like at the yeah, grocery yeah, store. yeah and it did not taste like beer nor did it taste like a blueberry smoothie but it was just so odd and so good that uh lizards Ooh. is this a thing because i i've not heard of it but my i've fr- also been a hermit for a while so i don't know my friend who brought this said that it's now becoming a thing. Um, that like some places in Oregon are doing it, uh, and this, so the this, hipsters are doing it. Okay, this got specific it, it, one uh, came from Indiana. Um, but okay. I was just like, I was like, this is. It. I was, I was literally like, this is amazing, but also I don't understand what's right. happening in my mouth right now. Um, but anyway, lizards, have you tried a beer smoothie? Have you heard of this? I mean, honestly, I think it was just like an alcoholic smoothie in a beer can. Maybe that's a, but like, oh. So it was in a can. It wasn't in a bottle. Oh, yeah. No, it was for sure. It just looked like, hold on a second. Hold on. I mean, this also proves that you have not yet viewed my Instagram stories from (laughs) yesterday. (laughs) Look, I was busy taking notes yesterday that lizards didn't save. Did not my part two notes didn't save, so that's what I was busy doing yesterday. Uh, Everybody saw. Okay, so sisters in black, are we ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Try and get ready. Okay, I'm clutching my coffee here. (laughs) Most of my information for this came from a very truly excellent book called Three Sisters in Black: The Bizarre True Case of the Bathtub Tragedy by Norman Zirold. But there were a couple of other articles. There's one on medium.com and one from roanoke.com um, that I also found some information in. Listen, there's a lot of names. We're going to work up to it. And just to give you a general sense of this family, we're going we're gonna to go through the fa- a little bit of the family history. But all you need to know right now is that they are the Wardlaw family. Mm-hmm. They were a quote-unquote storied family from the South. And to give you an idea of just how white and privileged they are, r slash were, their history, like their documented history, actually goes back to the early 6th, 6th century in England as being some of the first Anglo-Saxons to flee from the Norman conquest to leave England and go up to Scotland. How crazy is that? That I mean, I don't know anybody who traces their lineage back that no, far. Definitely not. Um, in so they show up in England on record in different churches in eighteen eighty, 1880, not eighteen eighty three, eight eighty three. Excuse me. And that then it sound Sco- like a real year. <laughs> I know. And then in Scotland in twelve ten, <laughs> uh, in the sixteen hundreds, one of them had a. Scottish barony. 
So, oh, wow. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And like ooh, own, Outlander, etc. Right? And their mm. own fancy pants, coat of arms, and everything. The note here is that, uh, in general, most of the family moved to the United States in the 18th century, so the 1700s, for religious freedom purposes. However, just a few other notable figures from this family uh, was... Bishop Henry Wardlaw, who was one of the founders of St. Andrew's University. Oh, just, just that, that old chestnut. <laughs> and the first Scottish cardinal in history. Uh, I, I will give them a little bit of props that there was another relative of theirs in the 19th century who was an anti-slavery advocate who invited okay. Harriet Beecher Stowe to visit Scotland in 1853. So I was like, okay, well, that's pretty rad. So... When, the, as soon as you as soon as you said storied family in the south, I was like, Uh-oh. oh no, it's exactly what you're thinking. It's exactly yeah. what you're mm-hmm, thinking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're going to start with John Baptist Wardlaw, whose grandfather Hugh was born in Scotland in the 1600s, but moved to the U.S. in the 1700s, and he fought against the British in the Revolutionary War. Nice. They are the epitome of white privilege. So as far back as the 1700s, this is a Southern family in Virginia who has a family full of church leaders and statesmen and merchants and lawyers and bankers and surgeons. So John Baptist married a woman named Martha Eliza. This is a different John Baptist, by the way. Anyways, John Baptist marries Martha Eliza in 1816, and they have six kids. This is where you need to start paying attention to names. Okay. Okay. So there are six kids. The oldest is Caroline. She was cool. born in 1845. She has younger sisters Mary in 1848 and then Virginia in 1852. These are the most important siblings to remember. Caroline, these are, Mary, these are the Virginia. These are the three sisters in black? These are the three sisters in black. There are three other siblings that come into play much later. John, Albert, and Bessie. John, we don't hear too much about because he was super brilliant, went to Princeton, died pretty young, so we don't hear much about him. Albert and Bessie come up again later. So just like tuck that in the back of your brain. So Caroline, Mary, and Virginia. So they're all adolescents during the Civil War. And of course, their family lost a bunch of money and they were starting to quote unquote regain their footing. And their father, John Baptist, was still able to pay for all six of his kids to go to really great colleges. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Virginia went to the very newly formed Wellesley College in Massachusetts. Right? So that was like the caliber. The boys, of course, went to Europe for their education and then came back and went to Princeton because that's what you do. The sisters, uh, let's see, besides Virginia going on to Wellesley College, uh, they also were educated in the South. All three, Caroline, Mary, and Virginia, became very respected teachers. Caroline eventually goes to teach school in New York City. Mary also teaches at another private school in New York City, and Virginia is teaching at a private school in Nashville. So, Virginia doesn't get married, doesn't have any kids. Mm -hmm. Good for her. 
Honestly, she's going to focus on herself. She don't need no man. She don't spinster, need no man. Spinster life. Caroline married a Confederate war veteran whose name was Robert Martin, because of course she did. He was from Louisville, Kentucky, and they had two children. The daughter is who we are mainly going to focus on in this story. She's the focal point. Her name is Oceana. Love that. It's great, right? She was named after an aunt of Caroline, so John Baptist's sister, Oceana. For short, they called her Oshi. Okay. So that, that's where that comes from. She also had a son, Hugh, and Caroline and Robert moved to New York. Caroline was teaching in New York in the public schools. Robert, because he is from the South, apparently knew a lot about tobacco and tobacco farming. So he starts working as a tobacco inspector at some okay. merchant house where they're like getting all the tobacco from the south and they're going to ship it off to sell it in europe so he's like tobacco inspecting but i don't really know like beyond that i don't know what that means or if you're like dividing it up into quality you'd be like oh this shit's awful and then you're like or like uh look there's a bug <laughs> <laughs> what do you do i mean it's the 1800s i'm assuming there's bugs I, right? Like, I don't, like, what are you looking for? This apparently paid real, real well. And he made... I mean, he made up his own job. Sure. Yeah. Like, white men do. So this apparently paid him, like, $20,000 a year. Wow. Which was in, a in lot of money in the year. Uh, Caroline, as a public school teacher in New York, and later she ends up getting promoted to be principal, also apparently makes a whole bunch of money because once she retires in, like, the early 1900s, she has a pension of $1,000 a month. Wow. Which was making some bank back in the hizzy. So, so of course, they're living in a, in a very nice lifestyle in New York, in this in Murray Hill. That was where Oceana and Hugh were born in Manhattan. That's where they're living. But when Oceana was three, her seven-year-old brother Hugh dies. And there Aww. were very, it was just sad, there, but there were varying reports about what happened to him. There were several reports that he suffered a fall down a flight of stairs and died. There were other sources that said that he got spinal meningitis and died. That's wildly both, different. <laughs> both are horrible, but very, very different. Now, it's very interesting, though, that his parents had taken out a life insurance policy on him mm. in the amount of $22,000 that they received when this child died. And then in 1901, Caroline's husband dies, which leaves... Oceana and Caroline uh, together in New York, but all the money and the property from Mr. Confederate War Vet, uh, that all goes into an estate for mm -hmm. Oceana. And then Caroline separately gets a $10,000 life insurance policy on Robert when he dies. So she gets 10, 10 grand from that. Though it mm -hmm. seems like, although tragic with Hugh dying and Robert dying, they've got a lot of assets still. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let's talk about Mary for a moment. Mary, Caroline's next youngest sister, yep. she had also married a Confederate veteran oh, and wow. a lawyer whose name was Fletcher Sneed. Oh my God! That's that is that is the old man that is trying to tear down the amusement park. He's trying to take away the ski chalet. He yes. wants to build a new resort. Truth. He's trying to turn the uh, the the. He wants, he wants to take down the mom and pop 
uh, farmer's market. Sorry, I'm thinking about Stardew Valley. Oh, right yeah. Now. He's the Joja Mart guy. Like, that is a villain yes. Yes. name. I love it. And Fletcher Sneed was the mayor of Oglethorpe, Georgia, several times over. And, of course, was a statesman with several different offices in Georgia. Uh, and they had three boys. Fletcher. Uh-huh. Another Fletcher. Just, again, this is where the names start to get. Mm. Fletcher. Fletcher, t- Fletcher 2. Fletcher 2.0. John and Albert. So, again, there Another was a John Albert. and Albert that were uncles. And now there's a Fletcher 2.0, John 2.0, and Albert 2.0. Got okay. it. Okay. So, Very unoriginal. Got it. Correct. So Mary has three boys. Caroline has her daughter, Oceana. Every All the three of the sisters, the older sisters, are teaching school in some sort of a capacity in different places. Okay, here we go. In 1892, Virginia was asked to be the president of a female college in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, called Murfreesboro it's hard to say that. Soul Female College. Not Soul, S-O-L-E, but S-O-U-L-E, which must have been named after somebody. Okay. Okay. So at the time, maybe still today, I don't know. I haven't been there. This was a very highly cultured little town in a very southern atmosphere. So Virginia goes, she loves it. She sends for her mother and her father to come and join her there. Her father ends up dying there in the 1890s. And then a year after their father dies, Mary Sneed becomes a widow. Fletcher OG Yeah, the the villain who's trying to shut down the the ski chalet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then Mary moves with her three sons, Fletcher, John, and Albert 2.0, to Murfreesboro as well. So Mary and Virginia are teaching classes at the college. So this is the first time that we start to hear reports that both of these women were wearing Full black dresses with veils, black like a black veil, black dresses and capes with fingerless black gloves that were not in fashion at the time. Uh, but they're in fashion for me forever. <laughs> Always. So everyone said in town they, they were considered very eccentric, but also nice. absolutely brilliant, could, you know, run logic circles around people and just of the most inscrutable morals, which of course at the time was super important and something that people keep talking about. Inscrutable morals? Like, well, I mean, they were wearing these fingerless gloves after Labor Day. So they must know something about good and evil right and wrong. I don't I have no idea. I don't know. Okay. They're in Murfreesboro. Uh, Of course, when when um, they're there. Everything's going great. They're there for nine years. Okay. And then Caroline decides she needs to move to Murfreesboro, too. It was like, okay. yes, please. Get She's the band also, back together. I guess. Yeah, get the band back together. She's also wearing all black and veils and the fingerless gloves. Did they call each other? <laughs> Texting. Hey, girl, what you doing? So this is 1901 at this point. Oh, she was 16. Okay. So she moves, and everyone's always like, oh, my gosh, she's like this lovely, amazing girl. She's so popular. She's so smart. She's such a good student. So even though Virginia was appointed to be the president of this college, Caroline really started dominating at the college. 
And they said sometimes she was really entertaining and persuasive and charismatic, but other times she was super harsh and overbearing with the students. Women on their period, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she never talked about her husband, who had yeah. recently passed. But she did brag about all the connections she had in New York, about how she... Oh, she she was she knew she used to go over to brunchin with or luncheon with the Vanderbilts and I don't I'm making this up at this point the Gettys and the Rothschilds I don't know people then she knew why people. did you move lady right you, um, you want to keep hobnobbing maybe Murfreesboro <laughs> is not where you should be there there was a rumor in the book from another teacher that she had worked with at the New York City Public Schools that said uh, that. She really didn't know the Vanderbilts, but she did walk past their house one time and <laughs> fell and then walked around on crutches for a while and tried to sue them. <laughs> so, you know, she's got connections to the Vanderbilts. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> that gives you a taste. That gives you just, a taste of what's to just come. Just to give you an image of why I'm le- wheezing, um, in my head, I immediately imagined it like a soccer dive like yes yes <laughs> but imagine just, a lady completely dressed in a long black dress r- and right just a veil. very like and you know she's got to sell it so it's like woo, 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 like like yes. kind of ha- like you know when you see um like guys playing soccer walking around and then one of them like just sort of taps the other and the other one goes flying like that's <laughs> what i'm <laughs> and in my head it looked like um that picture that's fake of Jason Derulo falling down the steps at the Met. Yes. Where he's just yes. like, like feet in the air. Like, anyway. So the college starts to fall behind on its bills. Ooh. And so everybody in the town starts getting a little suspicious. And then rumors start spreading. Like, why, if Virginia is supposed to be the president of this school why is she so acquiescent to her older sister caroline and then people also started gossiping and saying you know Oshie and virginia actually look a lot alike and so is Oshie really virginia's daughter that caroline has been taken care of because virginia wasn't married which i was also like well they are related so you yeah know, there's that like my um i mean i'm adopted so it does not apply to me or my brother like my cousins who look very much like their father mm-hmm. also look like my father because my father and all but one of his siblings look like identical carbon copies of mm. each other. Some Just, families you know, are two, like that. Like two to three years apart. Mm-hmm. But that, except for one where we're all like, who, where did Jerry come from? <laughs> where did come from? Um, but like they all have the same like i mean and it, and it, it literally is just someone hit xerox and it just slowly changed over time <laughs> because of the different quality of the xerox but yeah it, it's like it's bizarre so like you could like look at some of my like cousins and if they were walking around with my dad it would be fully normal to just just like someone could assume almost like that time people assumed first daughter was mine yeah. <laughs> she could have been. You guys both had black hair. Y'all, aside. <laughs> First daughter was like, she was a fresh baby. Squirty baby. It was just like, I think this is even before we started calling her the Generalissima, one of her many wonderful nicknames. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But we were walking around, and if Emily is a lizard, I don't know if she is, but shout out to Emily. We were at the beach for Emily's wedding. We're walking around, and at the outlets or somewhere. Yeah, we, it was at the outlets, yeah. And Coming out of Carter's. Uh, <laughs> I, and I think you were inside, and then, like, I was just pushing her outside just to be out of the way and be out of the store. And um, I have black hair. Generalissima had black hair. Quite a bit of, like, adorable mm, black mm, hair for a little baby. Mm-hmm. And, like, I got compliments on, like, my adorable baby. And I was just like, thanks. <laughs> Why, thank you very much. You. And, like, yeah, and I, I, it was literally, I was just like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I want to say I got one of those compliments with you, like, next to me. And you were like, no, that's, that's fine. <laughs> I I did that. I did, I, did the, I, I did the bacon and the pushing, so, you know, sometimes you just got to take credit. <laughs> but oh, so anyway. yeah, yeah, it's, it's just... I, it's I possible. Think, I think it's more just, like, small town, things start going awry, so everybody just starts gossiping. Right? Especially, oh, especially when they're so eccentric and everything oh. like that. Like, of course, you're going to come up yeah. with some ideas about yeah. the town eccentric. Oh. But, they, but they give them more gossip fodder because... Oh, nice, 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 nice. Soon, Oshi got pulled from her classes, and Caroline said it was because she had the measles. But she was out of school for more than a month, and supposedly also then stayed sick through the entire summer. And then the town started gossiping because they heard that there was a $7,000 life insurance policy that the family had on Oshi. So the gossip around town was that they thought she was being slowly poisoned and they all the town insisted that a physician go see her they're like no no not on a our watch of our choice yes so at first he wasn't allowed in the room they were like no 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 no. so eventually they brought oshi out of her room on a cot for the doctor to look at. Don't be suspicious. 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 So he's not allowed in. He can see her. He just can't yeah. go in the room. The room. Where I assume the poison drip is set up. Or uh, <laughs> the uh, occult symbols. Yes. That, you all know. pentagrams. You know, whatever. Uh, oh, my gosh. So he examines her, and he concludes that she doesn't have any serious illness, but she's very pale and she's very thin. So, you know, his his recommendation is feed her, you know, make sure she's <laughs> eating. Like, fresh air. Yes. Let her touch uh-huh. some grass. So she would, this became a pattern where she would reappear and then disappear from time to time because... Her mother would say that she she got ill again, and she would withdraw from society and take to her bed the way ladies did. Meanwhile, at the school, further decline is underway, and it is causing a huge breakdown of morale. Do do we know what like is it that like people weren't enrolling? Is it oh, like oh. mismanagement and misman mismanagement money? in that like the bills were being paid, but then also. Wait for this. These three sisters would just wander around the halls and the classrooms for no apparent reason. All dressed in black for no apparent reason. Nice. Um, one night, there was a student who woke up and saw all three just 
gathered around the stove in her room. In her mumbling, room? In her room, mumbling something. And the next morning they said, oh, we smelled something burning. So we had to go into your room just to make sure that like everything was okay. And the, the 1900s version of a taxi driver, because it wasn't a car, obviously it was like a horse and carriage, they called them hacks, which I found hilarious, but okay. Yeah. So hacks said that these three sisters would always ask for a carriage to come at night and drive them to the local cemetery where they would just stand around a gravestone and talk for several hours at night. So eventually they just stopped answering <laughs> their requests for carriages because yeah. they were just like, no, 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 no. They also just started moving students around. Like if you're in a, one room, they mm -hmm. would just move you to another room for no reason. And for it, feng shui. Yeah, <laughs> the feng shui of the students. So students started leaving school because they were just like. Like this is fucking weird. I'm going no, to Wellesley. Yeah, 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 yeah. No fucking thank you. So then there's a monetary collapse at the school. And finally, uh, the college trustees took over and they fired all three of the sisters, even though I think technically they only ever hired Virginia, but like they <laughs> fired all three of them. And the, the other ones just showed up. It's very much um, Stephen Root. <laughs> yeah, like Stephen Root in office space. Like, yes, exactly. Like, him months ago. <laughs> but the damage had already been done uh, to the school. And so the yeah. college eventually closed. But the sisters didn't leave town right away. They stayed in town for a little while okay. uh, at, at a house that they rented. But of course, they never let anybody in. They always had the blinds down and the rent was late a lot. So at night, the three sisters would leave the house in their black capes, etc. They also had a habit, a weird habit that comes up again and again and again in the story. And I think later we kind of learn why where they leave shit at different stores around town and private residences. And they're just like, hey, can I use your store as a place to like leave some of my shit and then also get mail here? And basically like you would pay someone to use their house as a or their, their business as a mail stop. It's so weird to me, but this is what they did. Because they didn't want people going to their home? I guess. They just didn't want people knowing their business. It, it, it's so weird. They keep it up. They keep it up. Mary Sneed's sons kept a separate house Good. from the sisters. Um, and then early in 1905, in the middle of the night, well, while they owed $75 in rent on the house, which was a big deal at the time, they left town. Because <laughs> that's what you do. And you so, rent. Like, did they, they leave town without the sons that kept the separate house? The furniture they sent to a freight house and they had it apparently shipped and reshipped to so many different places. That it was really hard for anybody to find out where they were supposed to be going. And the sisters in the group got on a train, but of course they bought all of their tickets on the train instead of at the depot. So people couldn't track again, track down where they were going, which again, becomes a pattern. This is what they do. This is what they do. Okay. Going off the grid. Off the grid. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So after Murfreesboro, Mary goes back to Oglethorpe, Georgia. Caroline and Oshie go back to New York City. Virginia goes to Christianburg, Virginia, which is like southeastern Virginia, where they had, quote unquote, close family relatives. The main relative there was 
Oceana, Seaborn, Pollock. The first of her name, Khaleesi. Oceana. Mother of dragons. Yeah, Oceana, Seaborn. Like, what a freaking That's name. amazing. That is, uh, like... Like Nicole Kidman's name in Aquaman because she's Aquaman's mom. Like basically, basically. So this was Martha Eliza's sister, who at this point yeah. was ninety-two years old. Which I feel like at the turn of the century, in, you make it to ninety-two, like wow, right? You're a living book. forever. What have you been doing? <laughs> right. So she was also an educator and right. owned and directed a, another college in Christianburg called Montgomery College. And when Virginia goes out to Christianburg. She's like, I'm, I'm old. Look, I'm old. I'm 92. Like, please take over this college for me because I can't do it anymore. And right, like are, I understand that you ran this other college into the ground, but right. could you could you do this for me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is also the town where her youngest sister Bessie lived. Okay. So, so she had she had family there. Montgomery College. Again, it has started as a women's college, but later it had, it had expanded to include a male academy as well. So the, it's not that the men and women were learning together, but there was a separate colleges on the same campus. Um, so even in the summer, they kept it open as a boarding house slash health resort. Because I know in the summer, the place that I want to go to for my health dorm. is southeastern Virginia. No shame to anybody in southeastern Virginia. I'm just saying... I had to go there for my bar exam. I had to go to Roanoke, which is only like 30 miles away from Christianburg. And it was muggy. <laughs> it was. Yeah, we, during the summer in Virginia, it's like all you want to do is go north. Yeah. Like, or get in the swimming pool, which they probably didn't allow at the time. It's probably against like decency laws or something. So as you can imagine, because you see a pattern forming here, mm-hmm. the rest of the ward laws eventually move into town. So first comes Mary with Fletcher and John, and then eventually Caroline comes too with Oji. Strangely enough, shit starts unraveling again so weird caroline again takes over running shit from virginia so caroline how is no one like caroline you ruined our last situation caroline like you're you're not good at this how about you take over this but like i'll handle the money or how about caroline you got a fat pension coming your way just every month just sit your ass down enjoy life how do you think your mother got to 90 or your grandmother and your great aunt how did how did oceana get to 92 like i don't know just just chill um but again it's the same same shit new day right Mm -hmm. babies were roaming the halls at night they're changing dorm room assignments on people they started double and tripling padlock some of the doors and then everybody just starts getting really freaked out yeah so yeah okay it seems like let's say like like Virginia gets there. Virginia's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. And weird shit doesn't really... Like, she might do the fingerless gloves and the full black dress and whatever, but, and like... the veils it, in Virginia in the summer. Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds, sounds great. Maybe, maybe she's doing that on her own, but it sounds like shit doesn't get weird until Caroline gets there. And it's like Caroline has this, like, power over them as maybe oldest sister, and it's just sort of, like... 
like when someone breaks free of a toxic family, but then like they visit their toxic family and then like they regress to being in that world or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So is it like Caroline like drugging them? Is she just control? Like, does she just have puppet master strings? Sorry, lizards. (sighs) I was doing, I was doing the symbol of puppet master strings, but not saying it on this visual medium. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. It just seems like she's the impetus for all the weird. And that when they're when they split apart, the other sisters seem to do fine, and then yep. it's like, oh, time to come, time to get the band back together and fucking do padlocks and be weird as so, shit. So, so basically, what I'm hearing from you is Caroline's bad news. Is that what I'm picking that's, up? That's that's, that's, a, that's that is my hy- that's my hypothesis. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Remember, Mary has her three sons, uh, Fletcher and John 2.0. Are with her in Christiansburg, but they eventually leave to go to Tennessee because I think they were like, "This is too much," and I, I, <laughs> I got to get out of here. I can respect that. So they they leave and go to Tennessee, and um, they open a very successful sawmill. So they're doing like well for themselves. Albert pieces out meanwhile and goes and just sets up a ranch in Colorado, which again, I respect. So, Gotta get under, out from under that's the weird right. umbrella. So Fletcher and John, they're in Tennessee. They're running the sawmill. And they started courting two daughters of a local lawyer. And they eventually have a double wedding. Ew, so like they're dating, their brothers dating sisters? Yes. That's bizarre. And okay, then they have continue. a double wedding. Nice. And then Fletcher has a kid with his wife. Everybody seems happy. Then one day, Caroline, his aunt Caroline, shows up uh, to see John. And she insists that John go back with her to Christiansburg and take a job at the college. No. And don't do it. You in danger, girl. The wife is like, please don't go. Please stay here with me. And eventually, the police come and drag her crazy ass out of the house. Okay. Okay, good. I was like, John, don't do I it. No. But guess what? In a couple of weeks, that bitch comes back. And, a, and John eventually leaves to go with her. No, John! I know. So his wife's health goes into a steady decline, and she's put in a sanatorium, and that's really the last thing that we hear about her. It, why couldn't she go with them? I don't know. So then so then John has a very strange series of events that happened to him. Interesting. Um, Who could have thought? On the train back to Virginia, he fell off. Near Roanoke. The train? He fell off the fucking train. And Caroline's like, oh, it was an accident. Oh, no. It was an accident. I accidentally <laughs> Pushed shoved him. him. Um, but there was a, a one of the guys who was working on the train said he actually thought it was a suicide attempt. He thought that John oh, was like, trying no. to jump off that train. Uh, he survived. He, he okay. was fine. For but, several, but several weeks later, he, quote, unquote, air quote, fell into an open cistern of water at the school, which, again, the family was saying was an accident while he was doing repairs around the school, but other people thought it was another suicide attempt. Oh. And then a week later, this just gets worse. Oh, wait, so it someone, just gets wait, so worse, someone pulls him out of the So, wait, someone pulls him out yeah. of the cistern? Yeah. Okay, so he yeah. survives again. Yes. A week later, at 8 o'clock in the morning, in John's room, uh, someone goes in, and they find him on the floor... With his clothes on fire. Holy shit! 
And he eventually dies of of the burns. The burns. Oh but there God. there were different versions of the story about how that happened. So one version was his clothes caught fire because he was trying to kindle a fire with kerosene, which seems like not a good idea. Um, and he's 28 at this time. So I feel like he's made... Like, if you're 28 in the early 1900s, like you've made a couple fires in, in your You day. know, it's not his first fire rodeo <laughs> here. Another version was that a kerosene lamp exploded, which I guess it probably did from time to time, to be fair. Um, but the one thing that everybody agreed on was that his clothes had been completely soaked in kerosene. Okay. So. Gross. Uh, again, the town gossip was that he had been heavily insured by his aunts and recently assigned a policy from his wife that is in the sanatorium to his aunt, Virginia. So to try and ensure that the, to try and ensure that the insurance company believed that this was an accident, they asked Fletcher to write a letter to the insurance company to describe his brother's stability in saying that this clearly was not a suicide attempt because his brother was such a wonderful, upstanding man. And the New York life was like, yeah, sounds right. Okay, here's the money. So this, the, the three sisters were able to cash in on the insurance policy. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Because this is a time when a white man could just write a letter and be like, look, trust look. me. And they're like, you're right. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is just, it's so baffling to me because it's like, uh -huh. what is the mental state of these sisters where it's all like, all right, we need some money. Let's kill one of our kids. Look, Katie, if you think this story goes anywhere but down, you, <laughs> you are wrong. We are, we are not in 1909 yet. We are no, we only are in the, we are still in the setup. I, That's right. Oh my God. Um, as lizards, as I told Katie over text, I didn't know bitches be wild in this hard a hundred <laughs> years ago. <laughs> this is insane. Okay, so so John very sadly passes. They collect the life insurance money. Aunt Caroline then goes back to Tennessee to see Fletcher. Fletcher 2.0 is still in Tennessee with his wife and baby. It's like so he she went she she went to John 2.0, mm -hmm. got him, mm -hmm. clearly murdered him. Uh -huh. And he then did. she's all like Need more money. Let me go get the other one. So she goes to see Fletcher and she says he needs to come with her because they have a, a family affair in Louisville. Tis Louisville. Louisville? It's not Louisville. I know that. Louisville, Kentucky, to settle some property. And he has to come. He has to come. His wife uh, next heard from him when he was, heard from him when he called her on the phone from Chattanooga saying that he was sick. So, like, he, he left where they were in Tennessee on their way to Louisville to settle property issues with his Aunt Caroline. Because old Southern family, they have property all over the South. They've got it in Virginia <laughs> and Georgia. <laughs> so, the wife, naturally hearing that her husband is sick in Chattanooga, she is a down bitch. She gets up and she goes to Chattanooga. And go. she's met by Caroline, who says, Fletcher is just, 2.0 is just, he's too ill to see Anyone. Thank you so much. That's not true. Thank you so much. Don't be suspicious. 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 Thank you so much. Why don't you just scoot on back home now? So she tells her she needs to get her butt back home. 
And Fletcher, as soon as Fletcher's better, he's going to be there. Like, don't you worry. Spoiler alert, Fletcher will never be better. (laughs) He gets better, but he does not show back up at home. Uh, So his wife, being the damn bitch that she is, goes back to Chattanooga, and she finds out that he had been moved from the place that he had been, from one boarding house where he had been staying, to another location. And of course, the person who moved him from one place to the other was his aunt, Caroline. So she goes around looking for him. She can't find him. So eventually, she goes back to their house, and uh, she gets a divorce because she is a bad bitch in the early 1900s. And she's like, look... I don't need no man who's going to run off with his aunt and leave me here. This motherfucker can't stand up to his aunt. And, like, I am just also baffled, like, again, the control Caroline has over these people. Like, it's not like his mother came and, like, you know, you have that sort of mother-son bond where, like, Mm -mm. like, whatever you say, mom. Like, it's like, if my, I love my aunts, I do. But if one of them had a habit of killing her her nieces and nephews... (laughs) And she is an outstanding all... woman of of moral <laughs> standards, huh? <laughs> and and uh, yeah, so if, if like if one of my aunts showed up and was all like, "I need you to come with me to do something," and I'll be like, "Why?" Look, we have family and, affairs to settle, Katie. And I would call my dad, and I'd be like, "Really?" And he'd be like, because uh, our murdering aunt right here wants me to go with her to a second location. Mm, I'd like to, mm. I need to, I need to verify this. A second, third, fourth location. Oh, but it gets better. It gets better. Okay. So, meanwhile, Oshi turns 18. I can't believe she's still alive. She's still alive for now. She turns 18. And so, of course... Fletcher marries her as soon as she turns 18. Fletcher 2.0. No! (laughs) And not just... Rudy Giuliani? God! And not just that. They have multiple marriages. And we get... We get different rationale for why they have multiple marriages. But this is the first version I'm going to tell you. Okay? The first version is... Wait, they have multiple marriages like multiple weddings? In different states. Supposedly, the first wedding was in secret in Louisville. Because <laughs> they're cousins. Uh. Because, supposedly, the family was against their union. As they should be. As Although, they should be. And yet, I find that hard to believe. Oh, yeah. If anything in this family is happening, Caroline has signed off on it or suggested yes, it yes, or forced yes. it. And then they said eventually, once all of the sisters were won over, they had a second wedding ceremony a month before their first baby was born in February of 1908. Um, But we will hear actually different numbers of weddings that they had and different reasons why they had those weddings. So slash marriages slash I don't know if they were legal. So, yeah. Um. There were also, of course, a lot of rumors floating around that uh, Fletcher 2.0 was also very heavily insured and people were convinced he was going to meet a similar fate to his brother, John 2.0. The author's note was that, just so everybody knows, by 1903, Oshi had four different life insurance policies taken out on her that totaled about $24,000. Her grandmother was the first beneficiary, and her mother was the second. Fletcher 
also had a $24,000 life insurance policy taken out on his life with his mother and his aunts named as beneficiaries. Caroline also reportedly had another insurance policy out on Oji for $32,000. <laughs> Katie needs to say something. Everyone. This is important. So I have, I know a little bit about how life insurance uh, became such like a weird thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, there's a book and I will include it in the show notes, everyone. Furious Hours, Murder, Fraud, and the Last Trial of Harper Lee. And it's there's three different kind of portions to it. And the, the first portion is that there is um, this guy named Reverend Willie Maxwell. And this is in the 70s. So life insurance fraud goes on Oof. forever. And he was a, a rural preacher accused of murdering five of his family members for insurance. Oh, God. And he got off on with a, the help of a savvy lawyer for quite a long time and escaped justice for years. But at the funeral of the last family member he murdered, a relative shot him dead. And like nice. no one in the church would be like, I, they were all like, I didn't see nothing. Because everyone knew like, yeah. Love that for them love that so that's part one of this book part two of this book is actually how the lawyer that helped willie maxwell get off forever mm-hmm. um actually represented his murderer <laughs> nice. oh. and so the second part is a lot of like interviews and stuff with the lawyer mm-hmm. and then the third part is how harper lee's last real book like was lost because right. so Harper so Harper Lee was friends with Truman Capote. Truman right. Capote wrote um, In Cold Blood, and oh, Harper Lee wanted book. to write. Well, Harper Lee wanted to write kind of her own version, and like finds out about this case, and is like going to the trial mm-hmm. and going to all mm-hmm. these things, and is down there and has written tons, but the manuscript is never found. Mm-hmm. So those are the three parts of the book. Ooh. But the first part that focuses on murderer preacher is basically just like way back when. You, you could just take out policies on people. They didn't mm. need to know. Yeah. So you could just be like, I'm taking out this policy, this policy, this policy, you know, and just, and and for this much. And it, so like I, as someone who doesn't like, like we say we're in the seventies or whatever, and you and I have never met. And I'm like, I'm going to kill that person. Right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could, as a stranger, take out a life insurance policy on you. You don't even know. Then I could kill you. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it, like it was. You well, know. but also people would buy these life insurance policies and then use them as loan collateral. They would mm-hmm. all, they would borrow against a life insurance policy. Like it's so great. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Um, so I just I just wonder if like Fletcher two point if Oshi if everyone, like do they even know that they know their some. days are numbered because as soon as Caroline oh, needs that. some cash, she's gonna cash in. <laughs> It and is, make an accident happen. I guarantee you it's going to get crazier than what you think it's going to be. I know. <laughs> okay. We're so Only in part one. I know. So we haven't even gotten to 1909. Okay. I know. So Fletcher marries Oshi. Gross. Multiple times. First, Gross. first cousin love. So I was talking to super husband. I was like, what should we call them? It's like husband and, and wasn't is what we came up with. <laughs> so the cousin and what? husband get married. super super husband strikes again with (laughs) coinings of great terms here um okay so meanwhile at in christiansburg the sisters keep trying to get money because they're of course running the place into the ground so they keep trying to mortgage different real estate 
that they like, own. What's happening to What's happening to all of Caroline's money? Wasn't she like swimming in it? You will. You'll. you'll okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cool. I'm sorry. Um, they keep they keep looking to take out loans on all these life insurance policies they have. They keep looking to take out loans on school property. They keep asking mm-hmm. wealthy men to join them as quote unquote business partners. And Ayo. the end result was that every single lawyer in this town had a claim against them for something, and that every business had some debt they were trying to recover from them. And then in 1908, the three sisters left Christiansburg along with O.G. and Fletcher. They were just like, yeah, it's getting a little too hot on the scene, see? <laughs> Even though that was like predates that whole thing. But like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. basically, it's getting hot. Got to get out of here. Later, Mary would, this is Mary's version of kind of what happens next and what she would tell people. She told people that the husband and wasn't. Wasn't. <laughs> I mean, obviously they knew each other since they were kids. That doesn't make it any better. Because Fletcher 2.0 would go to New York City to visit his Aunt Caroline, and he would see Oshi, and then Oshi would go to the South to go visit her Aunt Mary. Mm-hmm. Robert Martin wanted her dad, wanted Oshi to be educate, quote unquote, educated in the South to become a, a Southern lady. So he sent her to school in the South, near where Mary yeah. lived. Fletcher 2.0 went to a different school, but they were close together, so they just were like around each other a lot. When they all left Christiansburg, they moved to New mm-hmm. York City, and mm-hmm. at first, they stayed in a very in very fashionable houses that they rented in hotels and then like quote unquote nice part of town, and that was where Oshi's first child was born. As we said, they had that other marriage ceremony right before she was born to quote unquote make sure they were right, I guess, with not just God but local laws and stuff. So. I mean, the very sad thing is that the first child, Mary Alberta, who was born in 1908, she died a couple of days after she was born. Oh. Again, according to Mary, once they had initially moved to New York City, Fletcher kind of roamed around until he found work at the office of a lumberyard, which is funny to think that they were living in Manhattan and he's able to find work in the office of a lumberyard. But A-OK, this is 1908. Um, apparently, he was very, very likable, but... Uh, not like super good at his job, so he would have to have <laughs> he would have to have Oshi come in on the weekends and like help him get the books like up to where oh they needed God. to be. Like, girl, what so are, he was a he was a himbo. He might have been he might have been a himbo, but it's like, girl, look look at your life, look at your choice. I, I get she probably didn't have a lot of choices, but like, come You're, on, you married. Not only did you marry your cousin, you married your <clears throat> idiot cousin. That's right. So he ended up getting shocker fired from there in 1909. And then according to Mary, a few months later, he went south for his health, and they never saw him again. And, you know, she was like mid-pregnancy with their second child, and he just, quote-unquote, leaves to go to the south for his health. And They never saw him again? Do we find out what happened to him? Or is it just like, nope, out. he's gone for, oh, okay. Oh, we find out. Well, after he leaves, according to Mary, Oshi gets a message that he died. And so they're all just like, well, oops, guess that's that. that. That was me doing the wiping motion with my hands, everybody. I guess he's dead. Let's call in dumb policies, Dad. Exactly. So then they tried to collect on the life insurance policy, but they were shock or deny because there was no proof that he was dead. Mm. So then Oshi gives birth to their second child, which is a son, David, in July of 1909. And a neighbor came, because it was ye olden times. A neighbor comes mm-hmm. over just to help out with the delivery. 
And when the ants were out of earshot from Oshi, Oshi tells the neighbor that the ants are starving her to death and that they're dosing her with morphine to try and control her. And everyone's just like, okay. <laughs> like, nobody does anything about this. Oh but this my is, god, neighbor! But this no! is just what the neighbor tells people. So when, when this happens, they were living in Brooklyn in a neighborhood, uh, Flatbush, and the house they were living on it's so fun to look up these addresses because you can go to Google Maps and the buildings in New York are so old. Like, they're still there. So mm-hmm. the house was 1693 East 48th Street. And it was one that everyone in, in the neighborhood dubbed the House of Mystery because it was spooky as shit in there. The blinds were always drawn. They never saw anybody bring anything to eat into the house. They, um, when Oshi was sick, Virginia would always come to the door and, like, answer for her. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. several people said that they saw Oshi, including doctors, she appeared to always be in a state of, quote-unquote, hypnosis. And that's... Or, or being super high. Super high on the morphine. Because, you know, you can just go go get the uh, the morphine from the drugstore and uh, bring it back to the house. Well, I also just like the like doctors. Like, she always seems to be in a state of hypnosis. Do you think that's a problem? <laughs> Done. Time to get out of here. Done. So Observation you... <laughs> made. Goodbye. <laughs> I am a man of science. So after a few weeks, uh, sorry, a few weeks after she gave birth to their second child, David, and the doctor comes around to take a look at her, he's like, she needs a postnatal operation. And... Like, we could hold out for a few weeks and see if she gets better on her own. He's like, but, like, she'll, she will ultimately do better with the operation. However, she's so thin and, and kind of sickly, the operation could totally kill her. So, like, let's talk about it. And the ants, of course, are like, do the operation. Of course. Fingers crossed. And he's like, for, for which outcome? And they're like, either. <laughs> so... She she makes it through the operation just fine. Holy she has shit, some sti- she? she has she has some stitches, and the doctor's like, "Okay, I need to come back in like a couple weeks and take the stitches out." They're like, "Sure, sure." He comes back, and the ants were like, mm, "You know, she's just she's still sick. Like she's so weak. Can't I just like let's just leave her be? Because like I'd hate to put her in like any more pain than she needs to be in." And, and, uh, does, the doctor's and like, does the doctor go? How about you let me make that call? The doctor's like, I'm... "Cool, cool. I'll come back later." So. No! <laughs> so he he quote unquote found it harder and harder to see her until eventually like he just can't and then he shows up and he insists on getting paid for what he did because they hadn't paid him um You're like shit uh let me kill oshi real quick so we can collect all those letters and so- one time he showed up in virginia just gave him a hundred dollars and he was like that was way more than what the bill was for and and she's like, she's like, look, because so he's like, I, I am a man of honor, not so honorable that I want to go in and make sure she's okay. But like, I'm not going to take a hundred dollars. Virginia then produces a will in front of the doctor. And she said, this is Oshie's will, where she's giving most of her property to her grandmother. But she's, I just want to let you know, she is leaving you a thousand dollars in her will for your service and your kindness and it's going to get paid out as soon as she dies 
And, you know, we all think that she's not going to live very long. So this is a really good deal for you. Don't be suspicious. 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 So then the doctor's like, yeah, I'm going to go call the police. The police were like, sounds about right to me. I don't know. God damn it. Every time I think they're going to get caught. Every fucking time. So, so meanwhile, meanwhile, they rented a house, which was sometimes referred to as a cottage and sometimes referred to as like a shithole. Um, okay. In East Orange, New Jersey. <laughs> so when they've down... No offense, New Jersey, but kind of offense, New Jersey. They've downgraded from New York to New Jersey. And then also they've gone from living in like historic, beautiful houses to a rustic cottage. Well, it was, it was Manhattan. It was Manhattan to Flatbush to East Orange. Now, their rationale was that, look, she has been ill since her daughter, Mary Alberta, died. She's quote unquote mm-hmm. exceedingly nervous. We want to get away from bustling city life for her. You know, there's con- there's apparently constant piano music being played in Flatbush. <laughs> this was a problem. Um, and so we get her away from the noise of the city and just have her be someplace quiet where she can, you know, like rest and recuperate because we're her aunts and we love her. Okay. So they rent this house slash cottage slash shithole in East Orange, New Jersey. And um, the next thing we hear about is... In 1909, when they are, they are, it's November, end of November, 1909, they're at the East Orange House, and Virginia calls the police at 4.40 p.m., and she's like, I, I need to report an accident, and I'd like you to send a coroner to the house. And the police are like, ma'am, this isn't Wendy's. We don't have a coroner. <laughs> uh, we can send you a doctor. And she's like, all right. So I mean, the person's dead. The person that I murdered is dead. So, so they send a doctor to the house. Dr. Simmons goes to the house. He walks in. So the first thing he noticed is there's literally no furniture in this house. There's like a couple boxes that like people were sitting on. And no, there's also like no heat in the house. It's November oh in New God. Jersey and there's no heat in this house. And she's like, it's a, she's like, it's up, you gotta come upstairs with me. So they go upstairs. And they find Oshi is in the bathtub with her head, like, almost directly under the faucet. There's about a foot of water in the bathtub. Uh, her, her nose and mouth are under the water. She has one hand holding a washcloth. And she's, he examines her like, yes, she, she is deceased. There was a note pinned to her clothes outside the tub. So, like, she had taken off her clothes to get in the bath to take a bath, and she had pinned this note to her clothes. Doctor takes a look at her. He says, you know, she's been dead for about 24 hours. Why Why did you just now call the police? And she's, like, giving him no explanation for this. And she's like, so shit. He, <laughs> they can tell that. <laughs> and she's just, like, not answering. So he's like, I'm going to call the police back because... <laughs> So the police come back this over. This is suspicious. This yeah. is suspicious. This is suspicious. The doctor calls the police and he's like, yeah, I'm going to recommend an investigation over here. So a uh, police sergeant comes over to the house. 
Again, Virginia is really not answering any questions, but he finally got Oshi's name and that her husband had died, her first child had died, her second child was, at this point, in the hospital because he was very sick and ill. She had only been living in the house about 10 days, and that's why they just didn't have any furniture in the house yet. And so the detective's like, well, then how did she write this note that's pinned to this to her clothes if there's no paper or pen in the house? And Virginia's like, I don't know. Yeah. And he's like, what did the note say? I, I will give you an overview of what the note said, but I will read the exact two? contents of it in part two. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. And there's, Tune in next the, week. the sergeant was also like, there's one cot in the whole entire house to sleep on. And Virginia's like, well, I slept on the floor. She slept on the cot. He's like, okay, well, when was the last time that you saw her alive? She's like, oh, yesterday afternoon. And he's like, so you just, like, didn't go to the bathroom for 24 hours? <laughs> or even, like, go upstairs? And she's like... People are not criminal masterminds. No. And she's like, look, here's what happened. She's been very sick. Uh, she said she just wanted to take a hot bath and a long nap. So, like, I turned on the stove to boil some water for her. And she went upstairs and she said, you know, she wanted to be left alone for about 24 hours. So I was like, well, okay. So I did that because that's what she wanted. She's like, so I just left to go do some shopping. But other than that, I've been here. And he's like, so you never came up to check on her or go to the bathroom or sleep upstairs. She's like, well, the stairs are really squeaky. And like, I didn't want to wake her up. Oh, my God. So they were like, yeah, you're going to have to come with us to the police station. And she was just like. I really don't understand why. Uh, meanwhile, the whole time she's like not telling them who she is or like where she lives. Like the whole, she's just refusing to answer anything. Kind, kind of like how we started this. Kind with of how we started. Gabby Petito. So, so the uh, overview fiance. of the note was really, look, this is nobody's fault but my own. Okay. I have just been so miserable since my daughter died and my husband died. And I... I just want to go to heaven to meet them. So, like, this is what I'm doing. I'm cool with it. Peace. I'm cool. I'm cool with it. And and they were also noted that, like, this is, it was very nicely written. Like, the person who wrote it was, like, not, like, a shaky hand. Like, it was very mm -hmm. steady, careful penmanship. So they were all, so they were just, like, none of this makes any sense. There's this woman mm -hmm. And her and this, there are these two women living in this house in East Orange. We don't know who this woman is, and she's all dressed like a freak. And this other lady that we find in the bathtub, she's been dead for 24 hours. There's no paper in the house to write the suicide note with. She was maybe sleeping on a cot. And I think at one point they even asked her, like, what would she dry herself off with when she got out of this bath? Because there's no towels in the house. And she's like, I don't know, her clothes? Like, not my business. <laughs> um, and then later much further down the line in one of one of the trials um the doctor testified that water had gotten into oshi's lungs while she was still alive so she was either held under the water or until she drowned or she was unconscious when they put her when she was put into the bathtub and they noted that the stitches from her postnatal operation with the other doctor were still there so they had like never taken these stitches out of this this poor girl um, and a handwriting expert testified that the pen used to sign the name on the suicide note and the pen that was used in the body of the note were not the same pen. Mm. Mm. 
And uh, so I'm just going to leave it there. Done. 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 And you know, it's just not as straightforward as you think it's going to be. Really? Because, I mean, really, all my, I'm still thinking that it's like Caroline just likes to murder. It, it, it just gets crazier. It just gets crazier. I'm so excited. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And, you know, kudos to the guy, Norman, who wrote this book, because he had to have gone through an excruciating number of very old documents to, like, get all of this information Mm. Like sometimes there's so much information about the properties and the real estate and the insurance policies that it's like a little, it's a little much, but man, mm-hmm. whew, good for him. So that's, that's part one. What This is banana pants. One, it's banana pants. It is. Two, never heard of this. This is all new, brand new information. Right? It's so like baffling, which is why the whole time I was like, but, but what but about what? this? But what about this? So lizards, apologies for me uh, interrupting him about a thousand times, but I was, I was in awe and on the edge of my seat and I cannot wait for next week because <laughs> so good. This is all leading up to this culminating thing. Yes. Um, poor Oshi poor is where Oshi. I'm going to leave my, my opinion because man she let let a tortured ass life poor mary alberta poor oshi poor little david lizards what do you think have you had you heard of this tale before are you on team caroline's the worst let us know what you think uh you can find us on uh social media at wine times pop email us at wine times pot at gmail.com or on our personal socials i am at katie haas and mm is at true crime wine 69 Thank you, as always, to Chris Hansen. Please call to action. Uh, please rate and review on iTunes and Spotify. It really helps us out. And, and may one day fulfill our dream of having a sponsor no, that we, we don't make up. <laughs> and then uh, made up also, you know, tell your friends. You yeah. know, be like, hey, uh, I've got these elder millennial aunts that like to tell me stories yeah. and tell you stories of random things from their many many moons mm. of being friends mm. um and come pop a bottle with us next week to get yeah. the second part of this crazy yeah. story maybe after this story we'll get a sponsorship from new york life insurance company <laughs> Ooh, maybe what's up MetLife? which be the, the most geriatric millennial thing i could think of at this point all right lizards we will see you next week go pop a bottle Bye. and don't take out any life insurance on anybody.